All right, I invite you to turn with me now to Colossians chapter 4. We're wrapping up our series that uh, we, we valiantly attempted to sneak in here between our earlier fall series and the uh, Advent season. So next Sunday and of course Christmas Eve we'll be focusing in on uh, maybe some more direct Advent themes. But I appreciate y'all's uh, journey with me and patience with us walking through this, uh, this book of Scripture. It's actually, as you're going to turn to this passage, if you're someone who's really ever picked up one of Paul's uh, letters, the Apostle Paul's letters of Romans or Ephesians or uh, Colossians or Galatians, then uh, you've probably gotten to these, uh, these sections of, of Scripture and you see these greetings and listing of names and so forth at the end of these letters and probably tune out, right? Probably say, well, I made it this far through this book of the Bible. Let's skip on ahead to the to the next one. It's not exactly the uh, often the parts of Scripture that we are able to as readily access and draw application from. Right. So I don't know if you're that way, but that's the way uh, I would often be when I get to these sections of Scripture. And frankly, that doesn't ma magically change when you're a preacher and you've been to seminary and so forth. So I wasn't exactly looking forward to what am I going to do in the middle of Advent season with this list of various names that all sound a bit different than most of the, the names that we have today. And these little greetings and so forth, how are we going to, what are we going to do with that? Right. Well, I was really amazed this week at what I was able to get out of just looking at a few uh, commentaries and writings about the different people and the connections between the people that we're going to read about in just a sec second and uh, their connectedness, so how they were connected together despite a lot of differences that they might have had how they were able, a relatively small group of people, we think about the disciples and the 12 disciples and how they revolutionized the world by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit for God's kingdom. This is another group of disciples in the early church that's in modern day Turkey, basically, is where this is located, that part of the world, and how they're going to be used for remarkable things. So I thought about our church, uh, church body. Not a massive uh, church, about the group of our church, about our small groups and our life groups and how that would, would apply. So this group of people that comes together despite their differences and they work together and then also is relatively small. And then the other thing that you're going to see, and I'll, I'll have somebody if you don't mind, uh, maybe David, if you don't mind going in the back in a moment when we do the video and dropping the light level down just a bit. We're going to show a video that will probably be familiar to you, but uh, I'll go ahead and give you a hint. Uh, we're a bunch of misfits, right? Because of our sin and our fallenness, we're a bunch of misfit toys that God decides to use working together, even in a small a group that God can use to uh, transform and extend His kingdom and do His, His work. So let me read our, our passage to us, and uh, then we'll watch a, a little video clip that will hopefully uh, set the tone for this. And I think you'll be... Uh, you'll be uh, inspired, actually, by what we're going to read today. So track with me as best you can through these names. Starting at verse 7 of chapter 4 of Colossians. Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know 
how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with them, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Remember, Paul's imprisoned elsewhere. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, or John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, this is another person whose first name is Jesus, who is also called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision, that means they're Jewish, among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a fellow servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may... Hang with me just a minute. I know you're excited, Jason, to see that clip. I know you get, it's taking you back to your seven-year-old days. Uh, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God, for I bear witness that he has worked hard for you. And for those in Laodicea, that was just a nearby area, and in Hierapolis, same thing, nearby area. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you read the letter from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I pray today, especially on a day as we uh, welcome new members to our church body, and think about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, that you would help us, especially today, uh, thinking too about Christ coming into the world and his purpose to redeem and rescue a people to call to himself, to be his bride, to be the church, that you would help us to see in some fresh ways what it looks like for each one of us to be a part of the church, uh, even with our uh, failings and shortcomings, uh, what you can do through us when we purpose to work together, and what you can even do through a relatively small group of people who are fully committed and engaged in walking with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Misfit toys. Misfit toys. And a king that's going to fly around and go gather them uh, together. Some ways a pretty good description of who we are as the body of Christ. Uh, one way to, to even think about this idea, if you're looking for a main idea to grab hold of today, you're welcome to use the back of your worship guide to, to make some notes that Jesus brings all sorts of people together to extend his kingdom. So we should find our role despite our limitations or our numbers. I think that's one of the things that the Lord teaches us as we get to the end of this passage in Colossians and look at, at the message there. The first thing that we see, and we've, uh, we, we've had a lot in our worship service today, so we'll move through this relatively quickly, is that God uses misfits for His purposes. Isn't that a great thing? That is a really great thing. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a misfit in my fallenness and my sinfulness, and uh, you may or may not like to admit it, 
but you all are misfits as well. And in fact, the only thing that God has to work with to build His church is redeemed ones who are misfits who He's fitting, as we sung earlier, for heaven, to fit us for heaven. What a, what a picture. We see this in the, the verses today, and of course we even see it in Scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, I think it is, where it reminds us that uh, the Apostle Paul says, we have this treasure He's talking about the work of the gospel, the Jesus saving work. We have this treasure in what? Jars of clay. Very plain, very common jars that would be used to store anything. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The gospel is a crazy thing because it knocks us way down and then it lifts it up way beyond where we could ever have been before. Because it tells us the story is not about you, first and foremost, right? It's not about you in the final sense. It's about God and what He's doing. It's about His glory. And you have to, we, our pride has to be knocked down by that in order to embrace Christ and see our value in Him. But then when we do, we're lifted up way beyond where we could ever get by our own attempts to lift ourselves up. So we can delight in saying we're misfits. Take a look at the list of people here in Colossians 4. We're going to jump around a little bit. But it mentions in there uh, John Mark. It mentions Mark in verse 10. Uh, My fellow prisoner greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You remember what Mark did? He said to Paul, I'm going to go out with you. I'm going to be beside you. I'm going to be a brave soldier for Christ in the extending of the gospel to this new world. And then what did he do? Went back home. He abandoned the Apostle Paul. Let him down. Anybody here ever let anybody down? He let him down. So much so that even in the gospel, even in love and forgiveness, the Apostle Paul said, it's not that I don't love Mark. But he's not coming with me anymore. You're going to have to find something else. And that's where Barnabas comes in, and we know his cousin was an encourager, came in and said, hey, we can find another place to use Mark. We'll find another spot for him. He'll go elsewhere. Very interesting to note, too, I didn't, I didn't see this. The commentary showed me this this week. Most people believe that where, uh, scholars believe that where the gospel of Mark comes from where, why it was given immediate recognition as inspired and true message from God is because Mark knew Peter, right? Peter was one of the apostles. So we don't have a Matthew, Mark, we don't have a Matthew, Peter, Luke, and John. We have a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, why is that? Because Mark knew Peter. Who else knew about failure? Who else let somebody down? Peter. Peter knew what it was like to be restored and be lifted up by the grace of Christ, despite being a misfit, if I can say that. So John Mark, interesting person to be highlighted by the Apostle Paul in one of his letters, because he he let the Apostle Paul down, but Paul knew about the gospel. Onesimus is mentioned here, verse 9. 
Onesimus, we already mentioned a week or two ago, Jeff Guinan did a great job trying to uh, help us in short understand, and I'm not going to try to break it all down today, the ancient world and the practice of slavery and so forth that was there in, in Rome, in some ways similar to American slavery, in some ways uh, distinctive. But here's the deal. Onesimus was a runaway slave. You can read about it in the book of Philemon, about his situation. And it's fascinating to note. So, on the outside, what you have, whatever, you know, our cultural understanding today, of course, of, of slavery, but at the time, on the outside, you have somebody that's kind of broken the law, that's run away because of that. And yet, the Apostle Paul says about this guy, he's our faithful and beloved brother. So, that distinction doesn't keep Paul from recognizing him as a brother in Christ, and he commends them to the church body, who is one of you. So, crosses those distinctions and those social barriers that we have uh, as well. So, we see that. We can, we can talk about the bigger issues behind all that later at some point, but today we see Onesimus was this one that was really on the run, if you will, and yet the Apostle Paul said, he's useful to you. He's a faithful and beloved brother. Jesus' justice, it says in here. Again, Jesus was a relatively a common name in the sense that it was a, a variant of uh, Joshua, the Hebrew Joshua. And Joshua means uh, Yahweh is salvation. So it's a very uh, Hebrew sort of name. Justice is interesting because justice is not. It's much more of a Roman and uh, Greek and Gentile world name. So we don't know much at all about this guy, but it seems like he might be from some sort of a mixed background in terms of his family lineage, spiritually, ethnically, and so forth. He's in this body of Christ, and he's mentioned by Paul. Demas is mentioned in there as well, down in verse 14. And Demas is an interesting one too, because Paul takes time to mention him here. Guess what happens with Demas later? 2 Timothy 4.10, the Apostle Paul, this is three years later, says, Demas has deserted me because he fell in love with the present world. So Demas is in the fold at this point, but then he's left it at a later point, right? So he's a a misfit that didn't hang with the gospel and the grace of the, the Lord. He wandered away. And then even on top of all of this, the Apostle Paul, we know, tells us that he's one who was abnormally born. What was the Apostle doing before Christ encountered him? He was executing Christians. That's what he was doing. Because of his faith and because of his worldview, he was uh, terminating the life of Christians. So the Apostle Paul knows how God loves and delights to use broken vessels for his purposes to draw straight lines with crooked sticks. And I hope that's good news for you and for me today as we think about our life as the body of Christ here at Cross Creek Church and our role in extending God's kingdom. That's the first thing we can be encouraged by today. The second thing is that God works through us when we work with each other. I won't read all the passages that 
probably most of us have some familiarity with, 1 Corinthians 12, and talks about the hand and the foot and the eye and the different parts of the body of Christ that all come together. They're distinctive. They have different purposes. They're not intended to have the same purposes or do the same thing. And so many times in life and in the body of Christ, we want to be some other person. We want to take on their identity and find our hope and our strength in that instead of, who am I? Who's God uniquely made me to be for His purposes? And I just want to encourage us today that God delights not when we are all trying to figure out how to be a certain type of person in one sort of type of way, but when we trust and know that He's going to use us in the role that He has for us to play. You take a look at this in these verses today as well, when we see the fact of uh, one, different groups of people coming together. So Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice are all from a Hebrew background. We know that from elsewhere in Scripture and from their names as well. And then the Gentiles that are listed here, Epaphras, Luke, and Demas as well. Remember, these are people that, you know, the Jews refer to the Gentiles as dogs. I mean, they had terms for how they spoke to one another negatively. And the Apostle Paul is listing these people all together as vital in the body of Christ. So how we look at each other generally that way. And then Luke is a real interesting one. Luke is the same Luke that wrote the, the uh, Gospel of Luke. And we remember that he was, a, he was a companion of Paul. He was a physician, right? Always good to have a doctor in the house. <laughs> Always good to have a family doctor, someone that you can look to. But uh, that, that's not just a hypothetical thing. Do you remember what happened to the Apostle Paul a lot of times in cities when he would get up and speak and share the gospel? It wasn't just that people wouldn't show up or people would kind of heckle him or shout him down. They would actually physically harm him. He lists it. Uh, don't have time to read it, but you can read it in Scripture. All the beatings and all the things physically that happened to him. And so he just, he needed somebody to actually patch him up probably a good bit of the time. And maybe others that were a part of that journey as well. So God uses this guy Luke. And the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.11, so this is right after that passage about Demas that I just read, what a letdown it would have been for Paul to have Demas walk away. He would have been discouraged by that, I guarantee you. It says right after that, listen to this, he says, Luke is the only one with me. The only one with me. Paul knew the encouragement of people that were standing with him. And I want to paint that on to our lives today a little bit as a church. When you participate in your small group or your life group, or you come even to this worship service, or in the ministry that you're doing with children in the church, or with your servant team, uh, set up a team, or with women's ministry, or what, whatever you're finding a niche and serving, the communion set up. When you do those things, you are encouraging to the person that's maybe leading you in that group. Your faithfulness matters in those little tasks, even just showing up there and being present. You can really encourage a children's director of the church, a youth leader of the church by your presence or by, by getting yourself involved. Your small group leader, you can encourage them. 
no secret, you can encourage your pastor by your involvement and participation, right? Those are things that we can do that are, have an incredible impact. And sometimes we think, well, it doesn't matter. I don't, you know, I don't mean that much. You do. You do. You can have a very significant impact just by your, your presence. Last thing we see as far as how we can work together and really bless one another, which is a, a whole sub-theme of this, it lists down here an interesting person in verse 15. It says, to Nympha and the church in her house. Now, I don't, from what I read, I don't think we should read anything too much into the name uh, Nympha, although it carries over some meaning right into our culture that's kind of loaded. Um, I don't think that's necessarily how we should, should read it. What I want you to see about this is, is this. All that Paul says about her is that she had people come into her house. Right? There's not a bunch of other things that he mentions that she's doing. As far as we know, she's not going on any of these mission trips or like Luke the physician coming along with Paul and providing a whole lot of medical needs or whatever. She's just opening her home. Just creating a space to welcome people. When you all open your home for a life group or a church function, we've had a couple of different things the last part of the, the year here for different leaders in the church and so forth. When you do that, um, you're serving the Lord. You're serving the Lord. When you, when you have a posture of hospitality. So be encouraged, even if you feel like that's not much. The Apostle Paul look, took time to mention that this church was meeting in this woman's house. She was significant because of that. That's a significant thing. So God works for us through us when we work together. The last thing I want to encourage you with today is that God is building the church today with a small group of faithful, committed ones. All right? Now, I can't chart all of this out today, but... This is not a very long list of people, right? Even though we get a little bored, let's be honest, when we get to this part of the Bible and we kind of tune out, as you read through it and just list out the number of people, it's not a lot. It's a small list of people. And as you read and look at the other passages that are connected, there's a few others that come into the story, but not many. This little group of folks from various backgrounds and different involvement levels in the life of the body of Christ, they are going to revolutionize the known world in the Roman culture. And the same story is going to be replicated over and over again. I just read this week an article, I think I reposted it to Facebook, about uh, the church in Ethiopia. And where they had, archaeologists had dug up an early church and saw how early the gospel had come to that part of the world. So there's other people that we're not reading about here that are going to India and that are going to what we would call the Middle East. And these folks are in Turkey. And then we know Paul's going to Rome and, those, and they're going to go up into Europe and reach people European back. And it's just amazing to see. But what I want you to know and understand is there's a relatively small group of people. But they were bought in. They were highly committed to seeing that vision happen and the gospel was working in their life in that way. Let me just highlight uh, one of them. We know, we know Epaphras was a regional kind of leader, church planter, kind of like a Jeff Guinan, maybe a church planting person that traveled around. Uh, Aristarchus was another guy that was with Paul all the time. But Tychicus is the, the most interesting one with, for me, and we'll close with, with him. Uh, Tychicus, it says, so it's the very first part of this passage, and it says, 
uh, will tell you about my activity. So today, right, you got your, uh, your Twitter feed, your Instagram, your social media. How are you going to get an update on what's happening with the Apostle Paul? Well, you just, you know, post, hey, I'm here in prison. Looks a little rough, you know, snapshot, you know, selfie in prison. You know, you, you, you can see that happening today. Well, at this time, there's no way for information to travel any faster than how your feet can move or a horse can move, right, or a boat can go. So Tychicus is this human status feed, right, that's going to take that into the lives of the church at Colossae all the way from where Paul is in prison in Rome. So he's going to take that information and just give an update. What's going on? What's happening? He's their, le- their leader, Paul is, and, and they're curious about him. The other thing that's really interesting, and I thought this was amazing, I, I don't know if any of you ever got interested in like the Pony Express I don't know whoever's read, you know, things about the Pony Express. Fascinating, you know, these, these riders out west in America that would just ride incredibly fast on this horse. And it was in this weird little era, as I recall, where it was in between when the telegraph and telegrams and so forth were coming in. And so, like, shortly, the Pony Express is only there for, what, two years or something? And, but they're trying to get information to move faster than they would otherwise. And they're taking, of course, if you can imagine what kind of message you would be sending if it was important enough to put on the Pony Express and they would ride like 20 miles and hop off and they'd be exhausted and the next rider would hop on a fresh horse and they'd ride that message further. Why? Because those messages were important to get through. And I just think it's a cool thing that this guy Tychicus is carrying. Imagine this carrying this letter, and if we're reading this correctly, also Ephesus, the, or the Ephesian letter, two letters inspired by God that are going to be a part of the Scripture and the message that you and I today, halfway across the world with all our stories and backgrounds and lineage, are going to sit here and be impacted by and embraced by through, through Christ. That's remarkable. He's, he's a delivery guy. He's a UPS guy at the highest level. And that's amazing. That's amazing how God uses committed ones. They were committed to this vision and they saw it uh, being fulfilled even in their own time. And I'm sure uh, are looking down and amazed to see the work that's happening even in our lives today. So let's pray together.